there, all you business enthusiasts and entrepreneurs. Welcome back to Money 911. And today's episode, get a grip on your business before it gets a grip on you. I'm Chris Miller, your host, and today's episode is packed with unfiltered wisdom that's about to take your business game to the next level. We've got a true business whisperer in the house. None other than Will, the visionary behind helping entrepreneurs navigate the wild world of business. Over the past 20 years, he has been in the trenches, and today he's here to share his hard-won insights with us. So grab a pen and paper, because you won't want to miss a word of this. Please welcome Will Welcome everybody to Money 911. And I am so excited to get into this with Will. It's amazing to have you here and have all your years of hands-on experience. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Take us back in your journey when you realized that the traditional way of doing business needed a transformation. Well, it uh, probably started about 50 years ago. When I discovered that organizations really uh, had to transform, and it had to transform from one or two people at the top telling everybody else what to do, to creating the opportunity, the environment, the context for the leaders of the organization, if not the entire organization, depending upon the size, but the leaders of the organization being in a context where their voice could be heard. And that the reality is that all of us together can do more than all of us apart can do. Yes, so true. And that's such a good good way. You know, the top-down dictatorship does not work, right? No. <laughs> Obviously. Well it, well, it did work. It did work for okay. the people at the top. <laughs> but what it really turned everybody else into, into an assistant. I'm here to help you do what you want to do. And I'll get done what you want me to do. And I'll come back tomorrow and I'll ask you again, what's next? And, disempowering. And, <laughs> well, it, disempowering, but you're right? also leaving 50% of the creativity, imagination, productivity on the table. There you go. You know, because you don't see what you don't see. And... I like to have a lot of eyes around me that pick up things that I totally miss. That's absolutely brilliant, really. And it's not that they were bad people. It's uh -huh. that they had operating system that was going to get them the results that they got. Yeah. And the operating system was, I have to know everything because I have to make the decisions. Right. It's lonely at the top. Here's where the buck stops. <laughs> and I want to hire people who will do what I tell them to do. And so that's one operating system, and it'll produce certain results. Mm -hmm. But if you, you really want to move beyond that, then you create an operating, use an operating system that creates a context where people are trusted, right. where they're, you, you said, empowered. That's mm -hmm. certainly true. It's where their inner power that they already have is welcomed. And it's a system where people can be open and honest. It's where people, a system where people, they regularly do what they say they're going to do. 
They learn how to do that. You know, they all know exactly where the company's going, how it's going to get there, Mm -hmm. because they're the ones who've decided where it's going and how it's going to get there. Certainly the founder, the owner, they have a big part of it because it's generally their vision. But when the whole leadership team buys into that vision and know this is where we're going, how we're going to get there, then they can become much more disciplined and accountable so that literally the only things that they have to do are all aimed at accomplishing the vision. Right. And that happens because they have become a coherent leadership team that is open and honest. They're problem-solving focused. And it's really, they become a just a fun-loving leadership team. That's beautiful. I love it. You know, fun and loving, and they can all work together because I've been in both scenarios and there really isn't anything like having the team. And I right. know, right? And as business owners and entrepreneurs, I know I do this. It's hard for me to let go. I take, you know, I'm wearing a dozen hats and Mm -hmm. it's hard to let go because I don't think they can do it as good as I do or they don't know what I'm thinking. So how do you delegate that, that nagging feeling that you think you're losing control to just to begin to create that? Well, number one, you begin to find people who are as good at as or better than you are at doing certain things in the organization. And they have the responsibility for creating a team and managing a team that they're going to lead and manage and create this this context of accountability. And then you can delegate it to them comfortably. Mm -hmm. How many CEOs have you met They've been in business three to five years. They're they're out of the fire, yeah, hair on fire all the time startup phase, <laughs> right? But they're still pretending. They're still acting. They're still imagining, still holding themselves accountable for being in that place where they got to do everything themselves. A lot. Metal yeah. Metal and they're working, they're working well over 40 hours a week. Yeah, yeah I know a few of those. <laughs> well, and when I see them, my question for them is, uh, you've been in business three to five years, right? Yes. Are you working over 40 hours a week? And they always get this strange look on them on their face <laughs> like nobody's ever asked them that question. And what I say is, you know, at this stage of the game, you don't have to. It's only if you want to. Now, if you want to run your life that you're always working, that's up to you. <laughs> but you don't have to. And that begins the conversation. If they want to change, then they can. And they can change their organization so that 100% of the people are going to be the right people in the right seats. Because as goes the leadership team, goes the rest of the organization. And our goal, I mean, there's, there's 652 people around the world right now who are doing what I'm doing. And we've implemented this operating system in 26,000 companies. And our goal is that when we have accomplished the task of implementing this, this operating system in the business, that everyone is doing what they love doing That's with people that they love. Yeah. yeah. 26,000? Serious? Yes. Well, and we know that we can predict comfortably. We got the plan. By 2030, it will be implemented by us in 100,000 companies. Wow. Congratulations. 
That's amazing. <laughs> well, and when you figure 50 people is the average number of employees in any of the companies mm-hmm. that we're working with, wow. that's 5 million people. We will there impact their lives, not even counting their spouses and their families. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, that, yeah. that's like a, way, a wave of change, of positive change it right is, there. It's going to have a huge impact. That's a huge impact. Yeah. And we know that when this is implemented, we wind up with everybody doing what they love doing with people that they love working with. Everybody knows that what they're doing in the organization is helping the company make the world a better place. They're all getting compensated appropriately. And everybody has plenty of time left over for their other passions and their family. Wow, that now that's cutting edge right there. Is it does that have a name? It's you, called the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And the book that people, if they want to learn about it, it's called Traction by Gino Wickman. Okay. But that's what we do. Nice. So, you know, it intrigues me. I'm, you know, I'm into healthy money and and mm-hmm. the concept of organizational health, right? Mm-hmm. That really right. is what you're implementing. You're going right inside there and breaking down these structures that don't fit for where we're at now. And right. It's really, that's really, so break down real life examples of how nurturing health of a company can really lead to some unexpected positive outcomes. Well, here's a company. The father, the grandfather created this market. And in doing that, he built a nice family business. And one of his daughters married a wonderful guy and he became the salesman for, uh, head of sales for this company. And he would come into his his father-in-law and he would say, look, look, dad, we got a great product here and we can go out with sales and we can expand this throughout the whole country. And it's going to be wonderful. And his father would say over and over, no, see this right here. This is as big as I want this company to be, because that's all I can control. Mm. And so this is the way that we're going to run the company. So we don't really need that, son. Well, eventually the grandfather retired and the head of sales, his son-in-law, took over, became the president. Well, he said, we're going to grow this company. And he did, but he didn't change the operating system. And so what his, his son watched was while his son was running the manufacturing part of the plant, he saw Every day, there would be 18 people lined up outside his father's office Mm. every day. And they would come in with this question or that research or this problem. And they would ask, ask the president, how do we solve it? Now, this company was growing. The marketplace was changing. You had more regulations like HIPAA like uh, the Coastal Commission, like environmental questions and regulations. But the president, given the way that he was operating the company, had to have all the answers. Mm, That's exhausting. What wound up was because of that, he wound up getting emotionally isolated. Mm. He was under pressure. And he finally did some things that weren't very helpful for the company. In fact, they were illegal. So he was out. Yeah. And the family looked to the son 
and said, you are now our president. Six months later, a friend, a mutual uh, a vendor of his and a friend of mine introduced me to this new CEO. And when he finally invited me in to talk, he told me the story and he said, you know, I saw that lineup every day. And he said, you know, I don't know anything about sales. I know about manufacturing. I don't know anything about sales. I don't know anything about accounting. I don't know anything about HR. And he said, and I don't want to. Right. Yeah. And he said, I don't want that lineup outside every day. And I don't want to be working the 60, 70 hours. Right. Can you help me? Well, what happened was we put together a leadership team that began to take responsibility for each of the areas in the business. And it was amazing. After our first off-site seven-hour meeting, one of the people on the leadership team, a woman, said in our second meeting, she said, you know, I know that when we triple the size of this business, which is what we are, our goal is, she said, we're going to need a professional HR person. So she said, I've, I've joined SHRM, the HR organization. She said, I've started three courses and I put together a national group of people to be on my advisory team to help me. Wow. <laughs> now, nobody gave her that power. Right. They just released it. Yeah. Yeah. She got all excited. And, yeah. And that was true over and over as people began to take responsibility for their area. And what happened was the CEO discovered that he really loved what he loved doing was R&D and coming up with these great ideas that they were going to manufacture. And so he put together a whole research and development area uh, upstairs in the building, and that became his cave. <laughs> and he is and, and he's not working 40 hours a week now. Yeah. And the company's still growing 18 to 25 percent every year. Amazing. Beautiful. Yes. Firing because, you know, you're letting loose the creative juices in people that are just yes. dying in that other structure because everybody's got a gift. Absolutely. When people are have let go and delegated all the things that they don't that they don't know how to do and they don't want to do, yeah. as well as the things that they're good at, but they don't want to do. Right. So that they're spending all of their time either doing things that they're good at and want to do or things that they're great at and love doing. Can you imagine the productivity in that kind of group? Exactly. And then the, and the health of the person um, oh. emotionally, spiritually, physically, because they're not in that stress. Yes. Oh, that's right. I bet you disease will go down. And, right. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I had a company once who, um, who said, you know, we we have a lot of people who are working in the field and they really don't understand finances. They certainly don't understand our business finances and they don't even understand their personal finances. Yep. So they hired a young woman whose specialty is teaching financial literacy at the lowest level. So they hired her invited all of their field work people to come in 
I think they had six different times over a six-month period where she taught them about getting a bank account. Amazing. Some of them didn't have bank accounts. Mm. She talked them about how to budget, how to have goals, how to start saving. She taught them financial literacy. And now, not only did it help them, but imagine the loyalty of those employees toward the company who had invested in helping them. That's right. It's it's financial literacy and stability. It creates such a bond of family feeling. Everybody's partnering and helping each other. It's such a different energy. Totally. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. What we want to know is, do people feel like they belong in this organization? Because when you hire somebody, it isn't, wouldn't that be great if the promise was we we're only going to let you he- in here if if we believe you belong in our group right and do you believe in where we're going and how we're going to get there which means that we have to share with you where we're going and how we're going to get there right and do you right. believe we can do this can you see this happening and then do you believe that your voice is being heard maybe Everything that you say doesn't come to be, but do you feel like it's heard? Do you appreciate, do you celebrate the way that you're measured on a weekly basis? Did did you participate in putting that measurement together? Is this something that at the end of the week, you can go home saying, I got it done. I did it. And do you feel like there's a development plan for you so that we're helping you to be better at doing what you want to be doing? That's so good. Those basic questions just can change everything, let alone, you know, the financial literacy. That's what I do. I have a course called Create Income. You'll never outlive. And it shocked me after 33 years and over 6,000 clients that, you know, you go to school, you learn how to make money, get out of school. What do you do? Go make money and give it to somebody else to gamble. And people have no idea where their money is. It's shocked. Yes, right. 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 Oh, well, you know, right. We got. Four billion dollars for the lottery. I gotta go buy some tickets. Right. <laughs> that's a, that's about the financial education people have. And then there's so much fear that they don't even want to look at their money because it might not be there. This world, this digital world, and maintaining that healthy work culture is what you're talking about. And yes. Just what are a couple single yet effective steps that entrepreneurs can take to ensure that teams are going to stay motivated and connected? Well, uh, number one, be very clear about your core values, right? Mm -hmm. And we're only going to hire people that we believe are going to live these core values out most of the time. Good. Okay. All right. So at the very beginning, even even in our recruitment material, Mm -hmm. what are our core values? And is this something you want to be part of? Because if you don't want to, if you, if this is not the core values that you want to share, you're not for us. So core values and then having a regular way of, of helping people to reflect on how they are living out those core values. I mean, it's a simple tool we call people analyzer and it's just putting your core values up at the top and person's name on the left hand side. And uh, if they're living it out most of the time, it's a plus. If they're, not living it out most of the time, then it's a minus. Some of the time plus, some of the time not. So some of the time it is, sometime not, plus minus. And then sharing that with the employee every quarter. Talk about it. 
and ask the employee, how am I doing with the, how do you see me doing with the core values? Because as leaders, we have to live out those core values, right? We've got to walk the talk. That's right. And so getting really clear about the core values, number one, and number two, getting very clear about what are the five things that my job is supposed to contribute to this organization? Not 55, not 23, not a huge job description, but just give me the five things. I do these five things every week. I got an A. That's Make cool. it simple. Make it simple. Make it, right? Right, right. Less is more. So get those five things and communicate. The managers communicate regularly with those folks so that the folks have everybody that is a direct report of that manager knows clearly what they're supposed to do and who is their supervisor, who they report to. And then have a quarterly conversation, not a yearly review of, you know, uh, evaluation, but a quarterly conversation about how are you doing with the core values? How are you doing with those five things that uh, that are your job? How are you doing? And then the manager saying, well, how am I doing for you? Am I giving you the kind of resources that you need? Am I giving you the time that you need with me? Are we having a, a conversation? I mean, a, and we have a relationship where you know what I'm thinking and I know what you're thinking. Th- those are some simple tools that people can use immediately. That's beautiful because, you know, we spend all of our day working with everybody. We might as well have a that kind of an atmosphere to create, yeah. right? So I bet you could tell me a really good story about a client that went through this total transformation using your methods and, of course, you know, their initial s- struggles and, and how they emerge on the other side stronger and they're more in control. Well, I could tell you many stories about that. Uh, tell you uh, one company that's a, a very technical, a technical company in uh, advertising, digital advertising. And one of the things that they were struggling with, they were struggling with how do we build trust with each other? How do we communicate regularly in ways that reduce the stress, eliminate the, the unknowns? that we can know if we would just communicate with each other. That was certainly part of it. Mm-hmm. Another company that was, is very interesting, they had eight people on the leadership team and they didn't communicate. They, they felt like they weren't working well together. And so the decision of the founder, the two partners, was let's go and find eight coaches for each of these people. And they'll help them be better employees. And so they began to look for that. And one of my friends was in a company, is a commercial real estate company, and their their quest came. Do you know coaches that we could hire? And we're looking for eight of them. And so my friend said, I don't know, wait, hold it. <laughs> You're looking for eight different coaches? Talk to Will. Mm-hmm. Well, it took them a couple of months to work through their you know, their their goal of finding eight coaches. And they came to me and they said, wow, we, we're looking for eight coaches, but with you, we only need one person who's going to work with the leadership team. And when they brought me on, it totally changed the way those people were working together. 
because now they had some common goals that they agreed upon, not only for the entire organization, but for each of their departments. And it took some time to work through what does this goal mean? Right. I mean, they wanted to provide, what do they call it? Uh, gold level service for their customers. Well, it took them two or three uh, quarters to to discuss and and to get really clear about what that meant. And once they had that, then they could put a plan together and they could actually measure their progress toward delivering that kind of service to their customers. Yeah. It took the stress way down. Right. And, you know, you're giving me hope, you know, for, for all of these <laughs> massive corporations that are top down and and well, it was, I, I, you know, it's very difficult to work with uh, massive corporations. The the people that I love working with tend to be companies with ten to two hundred and fifty employees. They, they don't have to answer to a, a, an guy. external board, right? They right. don't have forty levels, twenty levels, even ten levels of decisions that you know of a decision approvers that they have to go through. They can make changes quickly. And by the way, this is the heart of the American economy. Most companies, most people in the United States are employed by companies with 10 to 250 employees. It's not the Fortune 500s. Right. But the main, that's the main driver of, right? That is the main driver. And that's why. And then there's a few that are the other ones, right? That's why when when we have implemented EOS in 100,000 companies, we also know that 10 times that number are using the tools and parts of EOS and maybe even self-implementing 10 times. That means a million companies will have adopted this mentality. Wow. EOS, tell us again what that stands Entrepreneurial for. Entrepreneurial Operating System. There you go. Remember that, you guys. <laughs> it's EOSWorldwide.com. There you go. And our goal is to change the way that businesses work with their employees. That's fabulous and and inspiring. You know, now I I run into some smaller, you know, smaller companies, but mm-hmm. they're always using the money of I don't really have enough to hire that you know they they can't hire other people because the kind of people they want to hire they just can't afford. I mean, there, there's always seems to be some sort of a an excuse, right? right? Well, yeah, yeah. There's always an excuse. That, that, that's what it is. And calling people out on that excuse and saying, "All right, so let's let's take a look at this." And this was this actually happened with one of my clients. He came to me. I've known him for 15 years, and uh, and he's n- now an EOS client. And what what he came to me and what he said was, he said, "You know, I." Keep hiring these people as managers to fit a manager's position, and then they don't work out. And I said, well, tell me about that. And he said, well, I hire people that I think can become managers. And, and then I spend a lot of time training them. And sometimes they don't work out. And that gets very frustrating. And I said, all right, so let me ask a question. Why do you hire people who you think can become managers rather than hiring people who have been managers and have already done the work that you want them to do? And he said, oh, well, it's money. Mm. I said, money. Okay, let's take a look at what's going on in your business. When you hire somebody who can become a manager, what do you do? 
oh, well, I train them. I said, well, tell me, how much time does it take you to train? Oh, well, it's like mm, 10, 10 hours a week for each one of them. And I said, okay. Now, what is your hourly contribution to the company? How much value do you bring to the company? And divide that by how many hours you work a year. Or look at it in terms of what you make from the company. And divide that by the number of hours you're working. And he came up with a number. And I said, all right. So that's what you're investing in these people. Now, if you didn't have to take any time to train them, what would you do? He said, oh, well, I'd bring, I said, bring other value. Yeah, absolutely bring other value to the company. I said, so what you're telling me is that you're spending, and it was a significant amount of money that he was actually investing because of his time in the training. And I said, and so do you think for a portion of that added to what you are paying or you're, you're seeking to pay the people you're recruiting, do you think you could get people that you didn't have to train right. for that much an increase in what you're willing to pay them? Mm-hmm. And it just blew his mind wide open. <laughs> it's so simply clear like that, really. Yeah. So it changed the way that he's recruiting. It changed the way he's spending his time. And huge difference. Huge difference. Right. Right. Absolutely. Totally makes sense. And then you just walked him right through it. You can't lie. The numbers show you right there. That's Right. Right. Well, and it's, it's not something that traditionally people have been looking at. That's not the way they look at it. It's how do we, you know, we get profit by reducing our expenses, our costs and increasing our sales. So, but when you, when you look at what it is costing you to train new people who, who aren't good at it, then huge difference. And so when companies want to grow, Mm-hmm. The people that they want to hire are people who have already hit that growth stage. Yeah. They already know what needs to happen. They've already done it. For a company that's moving from 15 million to 50 million over six year period, then what they're looking for when they start looking at that $45 million goal, they want to look at we want a salesperson who's going to, a manager who's going to lead our sales team. Who's already done fifty million dollars? <laughs> right. They they've done right. they've done you know seventy five million dollars, right. and so it, it's that it's that kind of that kind of thinking that's really helpful, mm-hmm. and that's what they did. And when they when they looked for a new CFO, they looked for somebody who had already done seventy five million dollars. Yeah, right. And yeah. and so yeah. it makes it so much simpler, so much Let's easier to work with. That's so much simpler. That's that's yeah. very inspiring. Lastly, Will, for all the hustlers and dreamers that are out there, what's the mm-hmm. single most impactful piece of advice you'd like to leave them as they navigate through all these impre- unpredictable waters that of entrepreneurship and and business? Well, if if they have in fact been in business three to five years. All right, they're right. they're beyond that hair on fire startup phase. Right. Then find an EOS implementer and just have a ninety minute meeting with them. No obligation. That implementer is not going to try to sell you. He's he or she is simply going to share with you 
what we have learned from working with 26,000 companies doing 200,000 sessions. I'm going to share that with you. Maybe it works. Mm -hmm. Maybe it won't. Maybe you want to work with that implementer or maybe you want to self-implement. But things that have been around a, a hundred years, they'll be around a thousand years, but it's a system for how to make your business run better and for you to live a better life. Beautiful. Well, I'm impressed. You're definitely on my list to follow <laughs> up with. So tell everybody how they can get in contact with you. Well, it's simple. Go to eosworldwide.com. There you go. And there's lots of free information there because one of our core values is help first. Uh -huh. And so that 90-minute meeting is a lot of information. You will learn a lot from it. And there's no obligation. It's free. Free. You can do it face-to-face -face or you can do it online, but you learn a lot from it. And you can go to eosworldwide.com and download all the tools that we use. Oh, that's wonderful. Definitely resource. I, I'm putting that on my calendar, too. How about that? And, and it also says find an implementer. So you can find an implementer in your neck of the woods. All 650 of us are up there. That's simple enough. Will, this has been really a fascinating and inspiring conversation. I really, really want to say thank you for being with us today and Good. sharing all your wisdom. <laughs> Hardly wisdom. It's simply following the following the, the system and helping people to implement it in their business and their lives. It's beautiful and, and empowering and nobody's left out. So no. there you go. Well, thank you so much for, for the opportunity to... Uh, to spend some time with you. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on this enlightening episode of Get a Grip on Your Business Before It Gets a Grip on You. Remember, the journey of entrepreneurship is all about growth, learning, and taking action. Will has given us a treasure trove of straightforward, actionable advice that can help us simplify, delegate, and steer our businesses toward success. Now it's up to us to implement these pearls of wisdom. I'm Chris Miller, signing off until the next time. Keep your grip on your business before it gets a grip on you. There's so much to learn about healthy money. I hope today's discussion brings you one step closer to securing and protecting your future. So you can get started on the right foot, go to meetwithchrismiller.com and schedule your free financial fitness strategy session. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to Money 911 so you don't miss our next episode, which includes health, wealth, and peace of mind. Lives inside of all